I didn't, I could not understand why I wasn't feeling happy anymore. Like why I really wanted to be excited. A lot of the things happening were first times for me. They were exciting. They were really cool. And I could not feel happy. And I, I couldn't understand. I didn't know what was going on. We were buying our first car. We were like, I spent a lot of time. We we live within four minutes walking from the mall. And they had one of my favorite stores in here, which is called Winners. And they're not paying us to give any shout at them. <laughs> But it's it's like a it's like a discount uh, store. They have really cool things, and I and they and I noticed because they told me that they arrive new things every day because they saw me there quite often, right? Because I was trying to make my home look nice, and look pretty, and by the, I was really wanting to feel happy, and for some reason I was not feeling that happy. So I was going and shopping and looking at all these things, and I was, and sometimes I could feel happy, like oh, this is our first bedding set or this is our first cookies we made in here you know and this is our our first Christmas our first New Year's Eve it was all very exciting things and I was not feeling them Well, hello there, and welcome to the Speak English Fearlessly podcast. This is the podcast for motivated English learners who want to speak English fearlessly and learn practical tips and strategies to conquer the CELPIP exam. I also love the feature encouraging interviews with regular people, people just like you, who are working towards becoming fluent in English so we can learn from their experiences together. Who am I? My name is Aaron Nelson, and I've been an English teacher for over 16 years, and I now work to help students prepare for the CELPIP exam through online classes. I'm very happy to welcome my wife, Anna, to be able to speak with us today about what her experience has been like in the whole journey of immigrating to Canada. And just like last week, the, the whole idea of this was sparked by an article I read over the Christmas break, which I linked to last episode, and I'll put it in the show notes this time too, just in case you, you missed it and you might be interested in it. But what caught my attention from that episode was just the, the mismatch that happened for one couple in particular who immigrated to Canada and how... You know, in, in their country of origin where they were from, they were very well educated. They had lots of work experience. They they were great at what they did. But when they moved to Canada, it was like they needed to start all over again. And that was such a huge shock for them in the article. And uh, based on some of the friendships that we, my wife and I, have here in Canada, in Victoria, where we live, it's kind of like an experience that seems to be... Well, unfortunately, it, it plays out quite regularly. And the idea of, of, tonight, of this episode is not to discourage you or make you feel down or to make you even give up on your idea of moving to Canada. Or if you're already here, it's, it's not meant to make you feel down <laughs> or make you feel like, oh my gosh, what have I done? I think I'm going to go back to my home country. 
No, the the idea is to try to give you, well, hope and encouragement that you can do it, and maybe maybe to help you to see things from a realistic point of view that it's not always i mean for some people they do have a very good and easy experience but i think that more often than not you have to struggle and you have to push really hard in order to make your life become established here in canada and it's not like you know the classic american dream or the canadian dream where you you cross the border and everything is you know rainbows and unicorns and everything is so happy so without further ado, uh, first of all, I want to welcome Anna. Anna, would you like to say hello and tell us a little bit about you? Hello, my name is Anna and I am an immigrant to Canada. Um, I am from Mexico, originally from Mexico City. I was born and raised and lived most of my life there. I what else can I tell you? I'm a mother of three boys, <laughs> uh, not so little, all of them. Um, and we, uh, well, even though Erin is Canadian, we had a journey to immigrate here. And it was not as easy as a lot of people will think because I'm married to a Canadian. There was a lot of um, benefits to that side, but still was kind of hard to immigrate. But at the same time, it was uh, important for us to do it in the moment that we did it, and we do not regret it at all. And before we get going, could you tell everyone what what kind of work do you do during the day? When you're not being a mom at home, what do you do from 9 to 4, or from 8.30 to 4.30-ish or so? From 8 to 4, <laughs> I work in a high school. I am a teacher. I'm an international support, um, an international student support in a Christian school. Um, I work with international students, uh, kids that are doing their journey immigrating to Canada or studying here for a certain time. Most of them are um, on, on student visas. A lot of them come with their family, but some of them come by themselves. And uh, my job is to help them to feel welcome and introduce them to the culture to the school make them feel that they're at home for the ones that are by themselves i help them actually to do a lot of stuff around and they're kind of like their mom at school at some degree <laughs> and i also teach english as a second language to the international students and i also teach spanish but okay so this is the year 2024 <laughs> That's shocking still to me, but it, we we moved here back in 2015. That wasn't the what the job that you are describing right now wasn't your first job. No, you didn't start off in that area. Even though in Mexico you were trained as a teacher and you had for as long as I've known you, which has been well, we're getting close to what <laughs> like 20 25 years knowing each other. You were you were working as a teacher in Mexico, but when you arrived to Canada, that 
changed for a little while. And we're going to get into that story as we go along. So keep listening. Well, to get things started, I would like to know if you could tell us or share with us. That's a better thing. Could you share with us the story of what your first few weeks and months were like in Canada? Well, when we came to Canada, uh, we left Mexico City around the last week of September, which is uh, probably rainy season in Mexico, but it's not a cold month yet. And we made a stop in California because we have family in California and in Tijuana. And it was super hot when we got there, like really hot. And then we arrived to Canada on the first days of October. And apparently at that moment, it was kind of still hot. There was It was sunny and it was nice. I remember um, your dad and your sister-in-law who went to pick us up to the airport. They had like summer clothes on. And I was like, oh, okay, well, it's not that cold. Remember me still inside of the airport. <laughs> as soon as we went outside, coming from warm California, warm Mexico, it was cold. <laughs> and then we moved uh, for the first, uh, I'm going to say weeks, mm-hmm. for the first couple of weeks. Um, we, didn't, we didn't have a place to stay here in Canada. So we um, arrived to a house that they had been trying to sell for about three years. And some of our friends were kind of like house-sitting this place. And they were moving at the same time as we were arriving. They were moving back to England because she's from England, right? So they said, oh, the, the people that were asking, uh, that they were letting them uh, house-sit that place because they were trying to sell it, they said, well, well, you can come in and house it for us while the house sells and then they will give you enough time because they've been trying to sell this house for three years so they said, and that will give you enough time to find a, a place of your own we were so excited the house was beautiful in the middle of the woods it was quiet it was amazing in mexico city it's really hard to buy a house uh, at least for people around our age, uh, when we move, not our age right now. <laughs> and we owned um, an apartment. So my kids were very, very used to play in a small spaces. And uh, the other other places where they play were in like public parks that were close or around our house. It was so new for them to have all these woods and all these area to play in that it was for them it was kind of scary actually yeah all the nature <laughs> all the nature that was around us <laughs> what is all of these sound what are all these sounds that are not like car horns or buses or police sirens or helicopters or all those sounds of the city you know instead it's like perfectly silent at night and crickets and you can hear the cracking of the animals like going around and like walking on branches and all these things and so they were like terrified and i remember the house was huge and it has a big big part uh yard on the back and a very nice front yard very very beautiful place 
and <laughs> and I remember it has like a big deck uh, on the front of this house. My kids rather to play in the deck because they was kind of like contained and little space, just like what they were used to. <laughs> Instead of playing with all this yard that they had in front of them, so that was one of the first challenges we uh, kind of like faced in the first first hours of arriving was that that my kids were actually kind of afraid of so much nature so much open space and all these animals they have not seen well the oldest one and the and the middle one have been in Canada for um the first well for a couple of times the oldest one and the middle one one time before we move but still all of this is new because remember that when you move to a place you have the set you have your mindset on the fact that you this is going to be permanent mm -hmm. so it's completely different than when you come from vacation for vacations and you move from your country and you're going to go back to your house to be safe and sound in your bed with all of these city noises around you and not of the quiet and peace from the from the woods so that was one of our first challenges the weather and that my kids were actually city kids so it was kind of hard for them to come around to all this nature and all this beautiful landscaping that we were looking at all right so th that was an interesting challenge and, and not all of canada is like in the wide in in nature you know i mean with forest and whatnot as soon as you go outside i mean now we live in victoria which is a small city and I mean, there are, there is nature within easy, easy access, you know, you can walk and find a park that's really, really lovely and whatnot, but not, a, it's not all like wilderness, I guess you should, we could say, but that was definitely for us who were used to living in a city. It was, it was different. It was a big change for us. Um, were there any other challenges that happened for you? In, in specifics like like uh, that you maybe you weren't expecting when you when you left Mexico and everything that you were used to your life there and then when you arrived here what was that part like not not so much about the children but for you well um, I have been to Canada a couple of times no like a few times before I've known the places around and um, and I've been introduced to food before. So I thought I was ready. I thought I was like, okay, I know the place. I know the food. I know how it looks around. I've been into the winter time here before. I have been here when it's snowing. I'm ready for it. But no, <laughs> it's not. It's not the same. I. It's. It really has to do with your mindset, like I was saying before. Um when you're on vacations, you know that you're going to be back. And there's something in your brain that is kind of like, it's cool. It's chill. Enjoy. Because you're going to be back to chaos again, to your work, to your city, to where you're normally are. So you're actually enjoying everything around you because you don't live there. Yeah. But then when you move and you know that it's for real, <laughs> it's very different. Now you start seeing things that you've never seen before. Uh, the cold felt colder. <laughs> the food was not as, not that it's not nice, but it was not as comforting as it was before. Before everything was new, right? Yeah. 
And uh, this time was like, I'm missing home, right? The flavors from home and all these things. And I knew that I was not going to eat real tacos for a while. I knew that I was not going to have or chat that water for a long time. So it was starting to make all these struggles inside of me that I was like, oh, this is for real. So you mentioned when you were talking two things that I think are common to people who are especially used to living in a warm a warm country and that is the change of temperature that you you and, and it's an interesting point that you make that when you're visiting a, a place you you have it in your mind that oh this is just kind of a temporary situation so you enjoy it and experience it in a different way than you would moving to a place where you realize all of this is now my reality you know my 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 permanent reality i hope and that kind of changes what the cold feels like it's no longer oh this is a this is cool literally <laughs> this this is now something i i need to to prepare myself for and i remember the first you know as we got into october later into october and november we we bought all of our our winter clothes i think we went we went the first time we went to a used clothing store to get winter boots and everything because we didn't want to overspend and we tried to find the biggest warmest things that we could find but also i remember in our in our first well when when we moved into this place that we that we did that 6 month down down payment for i remember the first heating bill that came in I still remember almost crying because <laughs> it, it turned out to be like eight hundred dollars almost. It was it was a lot of money because, well, more more for Anna's sake, she wasn't used to that to the cold that that uh, we were experiencing, and <laughs> we were we were just living with the with the heater up as high as it could go for my poor wife who was just struggling with the cold. So that that was one thing that that we uh, experienced was the the change in temperature and realizing just how and realizing the the permanency of the move. And so once we got ourselves established and everything, how long did it take for you to be actually able to work? Because that was another kind of challenge for us is that when we came, we didn't have a job we didn't have work to go to i didn't have work to go to even though i'm a canadian citizen and i shared a wee tiny bit about it in the previous episode about how i eventually was able to find work but it took us um i i started i, I started my full-time job at the end of november i think it was or maybe it was december i can't remember now at the end of november but it took us like two or th like two months of looking and looking and looking. Yeah. And I had to, and I talked about this in the previous episode, so I'm not going to get into it this time, but just the whole process of learning how to do my resume over again and, and what to put in there and what not to put in there and how helpful it was for me to find, um, an employment agency that, that, provided training about how to do that because I wasn't used to the Canadian job market even though I was a Canadian I had lived in Mexico for 16 years and well when when I 
before I moved, I was just a teenager here in Canada. And my, my first jobs were, you know, the, the simple ones that you don't really need a lot of experience for. But when I moved back, I was my I was much different. So finding finding work was hard. But what was it like for you? Because you didn't come in with the ability to work. And I was wondering if you could share what that felt like, not being able to work, and how you came, how you went about being able to work eventually. I don't know. Maybe if I tell the whole story of how we got our papers coming in and all the miracles that we went through, it will be a very long episode. Maybe we can do another episode with all of our adventures to get here. But as soon as we arrived, we had the idea of saying that we were going to visit because we came on tourist business. Mexicans needed, uh, until that point and a couple of years ago, they needed a tourist visa to get into Canada. And not because I was married to a Canadian was any easier. Actually, it was very shocking that for us there were more um, proofs and stuff that they were asking to make sure probably that we were not coming to stay. So we got our tourist visa in Mexico and we said, what, what if they ask us what is the, the reason of our visit? And, and we said, we're going to say that we're just visiting, that we're tourists. But we didn't want to start our new life lying. <laughs> so in, in, when we were on the plane, probably about to land, we look at each other and we said, we should say the truth. We should say that we're landing with the intention of staying. And that's what we did. We arrive, they say, oh, what's the purpose of your visit? And Aaron said, well, I'm coming back home. Um, and this is my family. We're going to try to see if we can stay. And in that moment, they gave us a letter, like a special letter that they told us it was going to help us for our um, process of uh, permanent residence. For our kids, it was going to be their dual citizenship. For me, it was going to be my permanent residence. So this letter is kind of like cancel my tourist visa, but it was not my permanent residence. It was to start it right away. And they said that you have to start your presence right away. So we arrived here in October, and I think we were just trying to figure out all the things of finding a new place and... <laughs> paying up front all that much money because we didn't have references that we kind of like didn't think about that too much but in December we sat down and we said okay we need to tackle this and we did <clears throat> we started the process of the permanent residence it was in December but f you have to be very careful when you do your process of, of permanent residence you have to read everything and follow the just like in the tests when you sit down and there's probably one thing at the end that it said oh you had to like that surprise question from the teacher just to make sure that you were reading the the test it's the same with the process uh we decided because we didn't want to overspend that we didn't going to hire um a lawyer uh Aaron had citizenship i had good enough english to understand all of it uh for a lot of people that are moving and going through this journey and don't have a very, very good English, probably is good to find some help. For us, we thought it was going to be better to save money. So we did all the process 
ourselves. We didn't hire anybody to do it for us. And we're glad we didn't, actually. It was a lot of money. So we started doing these things. And <laughs> in one of the instructions said that you have to prove without any space between years, what were you doing from, I don't know, I think from the moment that you start school until the moment that you're there. So I had to fill in where I went to kindergarten, where I went to elementary, when I went to uh, middle school, high school, university. Uh, I went to two universities and then the time that I was working, what I was doing in between jobs. And there was a moment in my life that I kind of like didn't have something doing going on and I didn't put it I just I just entered the the year of my last job to the one that it was my very last one and um so that was a mistake that was a mistake because you cannot leave spaces from the years so I had to write down from this year to this year I was not working I had to write down that and so we sent the application and we thought, oh, well, the process started, la la la, we were so happy. And then on March, yeah, I think it was on March, that was December, on March we got it back and they were like, you have to start all over again because you made the mistake of skipping years. And I was like, oh no. And, and he felt also bad because we thought we did everything right and it was very clear there that it says you can skip years but we didn't think about it we just were like filling in as I thought that they were just interested to know what I was doing professionally with my life and what they wanted to do is what I was doing with my life period <clears throat> so that was one of the mistakes so they send it back we redo it again we resent it just filling in uh, obviously a new application and I fill in the, that space A that I wasn't working in that moment. We send it back. That was in March. And I think it was the end of April, the first days of May, that I got a job, a working permit. And I was so excited because from October to May, basically, I was not working. I had the fortune that our kids since Mexico were doing homeschooling. Not fortunate enough for them, but for me, because <laughs> I was feeling like I was doing at least something. But it was very hard. Um, another thing that I didn't mention about the challenges, but I'm going to include here, because it happened during this time that I was not working, it was winter time. And winter here is very different from winter in Mexico. It's very damp, it's very cold, very wet. It rains all day, for many days, for many weeks. Sometimes, seriously, for weeks, you cannot see the light of the sun. So for me, that I come from a very warm country, it was hard. It, 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 it was the very first time that I experienced something that is called seasonal depression. And on top of that, I was not working. I had the kids at home because they were homeschooling. It was very difficult those times. <clears throat> I felt like I was not, we were, we were very blessed that Aaron was working, that we had the money from the, the sale of our house, 
but still we there was a bottom to that money there was and we were reaching it we were really really quick getting there including that huge bill of um the power bill for the for the months that I was really cold and I was not used to so we had to to get the the heating on most of the time so all of those challenges I felt the pressure because I didn't feel productive and I felt like I was like an anchor to our boat you know instead of sailing towards beautiful seas I was like holding it back you know but that was in my mind and it had to do with all of that seasonal depression and not being productive Um, so as soon as I got that letter it was like yay I'm free but no there was a couple of clauses in that work permit that said uh, I was not allowed to work that I I have heard from many people that it is a common clause not everybody has them but for some people they are included and the clause was I cannot work in health services or educational services so I couldn't work as a teacher or I couldn't work with kids basically and I could not work um, in hospitals or in facilities that were about health yes (laughs) (laughs) I'm remembering all of these things and um, so when you got that work permit uh, there's a couple of things that we sh- we should talk about a little bit, and so the when we arrived we got something called the visitors a visitor visa, and uh, and and it's not the same as a tourist visa. It it, it gave they gave us a year, uh, the the ability to stay in Canada for a year. For me, I could stay for as long as I wanted, but for because I was a Canadian citizen. But for Anna and for our three kids, they were given a year uh the the right to stay for a year and for our children the the same visa gave them permission to get enrolled in school and for Anna like what she was sharing it didn't give her permission to work it, it was just permission for her to to be here that, for you know she could volunteer if she wanted to but we didn't really go down that route too much um so you mentioned something that might be useful to talk about. You you were talking about uh, seasonal depression, and for someone again who's not used to local weather here in in the West Coast where we are, in in British Columbia, it, well, I, not all British Columbia experiences the same kind of weather as we do on on. Vancouver Island or Vancouver but if you're not used to rain all the time if you're not used to snow if you're not used to the cold uh, this can be something that affects you and if you've never experienced it before it might throw you completely off of your your mission or your desire to stay here it may it will make you want to go back home and and give up and maybe you're not even sure what's going on with you, like why you're feeling a certain way. So I, I was wondering if you could maybe share what seasonal depression feels like 
uh, if you feel comfortable doing that, <laughs> just so just so that if somebody is just you know stepping off the plane or has never experienced a West Coast winter before, with like you say days and weeks of just constant rain, what does that feel like when you start to feel the seasonal depression? Just so that they might know what's going on in their life if that's what they're feeling. What are the symptoms? Well, it feels like bleep. <laughs> it feels really weird because I was excited in my, in my in my heart inside of me there was this excitement of starting a new life. So I was happy to be here. I was genuinely happy to be here. But the farther we went into winter and having all these things, I could not understand why if I was in a place where I liked we were closer in at the beginning we we were really like you know when you're like the new one in town everybody's like wanting to be with you and we were surrounded by people we had his dad coming to visit us almost every weekend his family his brother and sister-in-law also were with us very closely at the beginning when we were trying to get established uh, we found a church that was a beautiful church that was very close to what a feeling uh, as a feeling of, of home with our church from Mexico. So it was kind of like close to that uh, feeling of being there. We made connections really quick in that church. People, we live very close to that church. So I didn't, I could not understand why I wasn't feeling happy anymore. Like why... I really wanted to be excited. A lot of the things happening were first times for me. They were exciting. They were really cool. And I could not feel happy. And I, I couldn't understand. I didn't know what was going on. We were buying our first car. We were like, I spent a lot of time. We, we live within four minutes walking from the mall. And they had one of my favorite stores in here, which is called Winners. And they're not paying us to give any shout at them. <laughs> but it's it's like a it's like a discount uh, store. They have really cool things, and I and they and I noticed because they told me that they arrive new things every day because they saw me there quite often, right? Because I was trying to make my home look nice and look pretty and buy new. I was really wanting to feel happy and for some reason I was not feeling that happy. So I was going and shopping and looking at all these things and I was and sometimes I could feel happy like oh this is our first bedding set or this is our first cookies we made in here, you know, and this is our our first Christmas, our first New Year's Eve. It was all very exciting things and I was not feeling them so um, later uh, that was the first year the second year then around March I received my my permit and the weather starts to change we're going into spring one of my favorite seasons here uh, just start seeing all of the flowers bloom and the weather starts getting milder and by around 
April, the, the end of April, beginning of May, the weather starts feeling a lot better. And then the summers are fabulous in here. Like, they're really hot. You live by the lake or the sea. We're surrounded by water because we live in an island. So it's beautiful. And then I felt super happy and I was like, yes, this is this is what I was expecting this to be like, you know? And again, a lot of our first happened through that year so I was super excited and I was super happy and then October came November came and I was starting to feel down again by this time we were already moved into our second home uh it was a basement suite because here in Canada you can find big houses that have apartment rentals on the bottom or in their basements that's a very common thing and for newcomers is very common for them to rent uh, basement suites. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> and we had a basement suite. So it was darker than the other place. And it was, I I was starting to feel again like sad and feeling like I miss home. I miss my parents. I miss food. Food was one of the biggest things for me that I was missing since day one I left, I think. So it was like really hard and I was struggling again and I was crying for everything and I was feeling really homesick and all these things. And I was like, huh. at that time, my cousins came. Uh, it was our, uh, they came and we went, all of us had birthdays in December. So my husband was super kind and gave us a nice vacation to Vancouver for the three of us and we were able to go and we still felt like kind of like I was excited for them to be here I was having a great time I was happy to see them I was loving the time but I still felt kind of like sad inside so I don't know who we were talking with I think it was with our pastors and she is a nurse or it, it was from our first church that we we came to he he is a super nice guy and she is a nurse and she all of a sudden said that they were the season blues the seasonal blues and i was like what are seasonal blues oh well it happens a lot to people that come from other weather the other kind of uh, seasons but the closer you are to the equator the less big changes that you see in the seasons and mexico doesn't have such a big change on seasons uh, th that happen in like the rest of North America, right? In the States or in Canada, especially. So in Canada, there is this big seasons, like the four, you can totally distinguish the four seasons, like in the movies, like a springtime, you can see all green and the flowers and the weather getting nicer. The summer is super hot, all these areas that you can go in the lake and the beach. And, and then, um, the fall, which is my favorite, it's astonishing to see all the changing on the colors and the skies. The autumn skies are beautiful. And and then the winter is really strong. You can see the whole four seasons. But in Mexico, it's not like that. In Mexico, you have spring. You have raining season, which is not a cold season. It's still warm. And yes, we have something kind of like like winter which is cold mornings but by the end of the day like you reach high temperatures 20 something in the middle of the day so it's not really cold it is cold but not this cold 
and definitely you see a lot of light and the problem here and that's what she was explaining to me is that the sun goes for many many days because it's raining season here that's why it's snow there's no there has to be enough humidity and and the temperature low enough to create the snow so she said the fact that you're feeling like that is because there's not enough light for you and you come from a place where it's warm so it's it is a thing it is a thing it's a seasonal depression and i'm pretty sure that's why you're facing when she said that the symptoms were like you're tired all the time you're feeling really like sensible for everything like things that normally would not make you cry will make you cry or like you feel ir irritable irritable, irritable. <laughs> you see i might have good english but sometimes my accent comes comes out <laughs> and um and there's things like like that and and i thought i always liked the rain even in mexico i i, I always told aaron that i like raining days and I wish I'd live in London, I said many times, and now I totally regret what I said. Yeah, like we said at the very beginning, it's di it's different to see it on the movies or whatnot, but when you live it day in and day out, it kind of changes things. So so you were saying that some of the symptoms of uh, seasonal depression is a lack of energy when you're normally pretty active, is feeling sensitive to things where you just feel like you're going to cry and sometimes you actually do cry and you just don't know why and just like lethargic feeling slow feeling like no motivation to do things you just want to stay home and do nothing and just be sad and probably you just want to go back home again to where the sun is so and and even if you're not from a sunny place you can also feel that that seasonal depression when the sun goes away you, you need the sunshine okay so let's let's talk a little bit about what has been out of all the things that you we have been through and gone through what do you think has been your biggest challenge in moving here to canada up until now like what do you think has been the hardest part for you I think professionally speaking, finding a job that I like and that I enjoy um, is probably one of the hardest ones. As you were mentioning before, uh, Canada has its very special own rules of who can work and where can you work. <laughs> so um, careers like medical careers, educational careers, which is the closest that we're um, on my work permit um, have a lot of issues even inside Canada there are issues between moving from one province to another one if you want to work in those areas in that field of like health or or school so I was a teacher in Mexico for many many years um, I was a teacher in high school I was an English teacher and I was a teacher, You when you met me, I was a teacher in yeah. kindergarten. Um, I was an English teacher. And then I made a pause and I went into corporate world for a while, like 10 years. And then I went back to being a teacher for the last five years we lived in Mexico. So it's been very difficult because 
here they have like their own standards i don't want to say that they don't care about your career they have their own standards and they have what they think it's been working for them and as i was telling even if you move from a province to we live in the province of british columbia so if you move for example from nova scotia to bc you still have to struggle with uh revalidating your career or taking certain courses or so you could like i have friends with me when i was working in another area in the field of education that were also teachers in 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 other provinces and they had to go through um, different works here because they have to do more school or stuff like that to be teachers in here so it is not exclusively for immigrants it's it's just the way the system is in canada so i we have a lot of friends that ha they have masters and doctorates in their countries and they were working here painting houses or doing other stuff because that's what they had to do at the beginning it was the same for me i was a teacher back in mexico i had my own um business of um cake decorating i had i made cakes and when i moved here i couldn't do any of both because you have a certification for food to work in that field and you and i had to have a special certification here to work as a teacher in bc so i needed to make money like right away i needed to start supporting my family because i as we told you our money in the bank was running out so remember that i told you that because of my depression i used to go a lot of shop for <laughs> our home and making it nicer to see if i would like it better here well from from seeing me there quite often in the mall one of the managers offered me a job at that store and i said oh you're here quite often would you like to join and work for the store and you will get an employee discount and i was like oh that sounds attractive let's do it it was my very first time working for retail retail is working in stores and in a department store it was my very very first time i was really excited everything was new i was learning a lot i i work as i told you before incorporate where i was working for a bank in mexico an international bank and that experience helped me a lot for this work in retail i i have worked as um uh in a team of collect uh, collections and all that stuff and it, that gave me a lot of experience to work in this enough experience to work my way up in in retail so i came in as a part-time uh like store general person <laughs> so i was doing a lot of stuff i used to go early in the morning unpack everything from the truck putting things away when i had been a teacher you know and it, this is completely different field and i had no experience but i was enjoying it i was really enjoying it i needed to work so i couldn't be picky <laughs> and that's how i did it and like in in weeks my um the store manager came and told me you know what i think you have a future here why don't you accept a job of full-time and i accepted the job of full-time that included some benefits when you're full-time included some benefits 
after a few months later they well after a couple of weeks actually from accepting the full-time job that was the next step for me to be um, a team leader a supervisor they started offering me you should be a supervisor I didn't want to be a supervisor because I wanted to be able to say oh I can't work today you know because I had the kids by this time the kids were still doing uh, homeschool so we were kind of like we had very different shifts Erin and I that's another thing that you probably will have to face that in order for if you have a family with little kids you're probably gonna have to find jobs with very different shifts like Erin's um, work was from four in the afternoon to to midnight and my work was unpacking the truck to the first point of sale so it was from like six in the morning six in the morning to two in the afternoon I think it was so we had we had lunch together that was a, a good thing because nobody not all the couples can do that but it was completely opposite our 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 schedule so he will be with the kids in the morning I will be with the kids in the whole afternoon um, that worked for us for quite a while uh, then they offered me um, to be a supervisor the, on, the only area where I could not change my uh, schedule was as a backdoor supervisor which is the the one in charge of the being the supervisor of the warehouse so I will be in charge of unpacking the 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 trucks every morning um, making sure that all of the merchandise go out hanging the clothes properly it was a lot of like pre-production kind of thing before all of the articles hit the floor I really really liked that job actually it was very fun uh, I was starting to make a little bit more money my benefits were very very good at that time um, but still I was not happy because I was not doing what I think I was calling the life in life to do which is being a teacher but I, I couldn't work as a teacher so I was it was we were still on the process of the of the permanent residence so the we got to a point I, I got hurt I got hurt at my work and I had a long um, recovery because I hurt my knee uh, during that time I kind of felt like okay no I really need to do something else during that time I got my permanent residence and I was able to go to school now because if without my permanent residence I was able to go to school with that special permit that we got but um, I wasn't able to get uh, the the rate of a resident of a permanent resident or a Canadian I was um, I had to pay as international student and I don't know if this is in all provinces but at least in here it's kind of like the double even sometimes the triple of what you would pay as as a citizen so it was not an option for me at that moment to go to school and um, as soon as I got my my permanent residence I quit my job we talked about it it was a good move at that moment and I went to school 
So I said, okay, what is the closest thing that can get me into a school to work? Uh, so I made, I was thinking between uh, early childhood education and um, teaching assistant, educational assistant. So I went for educational assistant to school. It was a year program, uh, including practicums. Uh, I had a lot of fun. Uh, it was not difficult because I was already a teacher. So a lot of the things that I had to go through in school, I already knew about them. It was it was a good time. It was not to it was a stressing the fact that we had a lot to read, not too many, not too much time to do it. And um, I had to, I spent lots of sleepless nights reading and doing uh, work for my school, but it was all worth it. I got my uh, diploma. I was able to go into school. And I don't know what's the minimum wage in all of the places around Canada, in all of the provinces around Canada, but here in BC, at that time, the minimum wage was $15 the hour. When I left my um, supervising um, job, I was making somewhere around 18 or $19 the hour. And as an educational assistant, I was going to start earning around $21 the hour. So it was a big shift from 15 to 21. It, it was closer to what I was doing, or that's what I thought. <laughs> And I started working like as soon as I and there's such a shortage of educational staff in BC, I think in all Canada, but especially in BC, that even before I got my diploma in my hand, I was already hired in as soon as I, I think it was my last day of school was, let's say, November the 5th. I went to ask for the job on November the 6th, and I was hired by November the 8th. Something like that. It was like super fast. So I was I was hired immediately. Uh, they wanted me to start their job right away, and I said, you know what, I need, give me some some time. I'll, I'll start in January. When the new semester starts, I'll start. They say yes. So um, I started in January. Educational assistant here in the public school has to face a lot of behavioral issues with the kids. So there are, you, you help kids that have certain needs. So you help kids with uh, academic challenges. You help kids with intellectual challenges, with uh, behavioral challenges, with some health challenges so you can actually be working with kids that need to uh, be changed diaper even if they're in in high school because it happens so you have to it's kind of like you are there to help them to learn uh, but it's more like a combination between a nurse a nanny and a teacher in a lower not degree, but in a lower sense of responsibility, because you don't have to plan a lot of things. You're just planning for one individual, sometimes two, depending on what is your class, how big is your class, or if you're rotating from class to class. But it comes really tiring at some at some point. And I'm, I was not getting younger, right? I was getting 
older every year and it was getting harder for me to challenge with some kids that were challenging um so there was a point that i said okay i cannot do this anymore so i talked to erin and we agreed to stop that job and start looking for something else it was not immediately this is i'm talking that i was in that job for like what four years five years so it was um we were praying lots we were asking for help <laughs> superior help we needed and uh we got to a point that um one of my friends told me you know what in your son's school they're needing a spanish teacher why don't you apply and i went and looked and i saw the requirements and i said they're gonna give me a yes but because i don't have a, a valid degree here and i didn't apply because i was afraid and when i i said okay i'll do it the the post was not there any longer but there was this opening of being an ell teacher which is a, it's English learners, uh, English language learners. So I will be teaching English to international students. So I went to the high school, I had my interview, I had an amazing click with the, with the person that was in charge of the, of the department. Um, they took a while, I was very nervous because I already decided that I was going to leave that other job. And they hired me, they hired me, I think it was mid-December. I had already given my two weeks notice, having faith that I was going to get the job, or I, I was like, I'm done. So in January, as soon as we came back to school, I started my job. I was really happy. I was very, it was completely different. I didn't have to, to deal with any um, behavioral stuff or health issues. Uh, I was going to teach, I was going to support kids with like, their academic and this, all this stuff. And when I was already there, um, there was an opportunity to, to teach one of the higher Spanish levels. The teacher that was a Spanish teacher here is not um, a native Spanish speaker. So she didn't feel very confident to teach that higher level. And I, then I realized that there are some things, sometimes, some places, that there are ways around things. So I don't have a teacher degree ballot here, but I do have a teacher degree. And I do have all these um, papers from education that I've taken in Canada that they were enough for me to request for a letter, a special letter. In private schools, you can do this. A special letter if I have the skills to perform these classes, they will authorize it. So when you arrived in Canada, and th first of all, thank you so much for sharing your long journey. It's been a journey. It has been a big journey from going from working in retail to stepping into finally what you were used to doing and what you are really good at doing, which is being a teacher. It's been like a eight year or so journey from retail to what you're doing now as a teacher. Um, when you came to Canada and long before you came to Canada, you were already speaking English fluently. Uh, when you arrived here, 
were there any times where you would get into conversations with people who are from around, who are local, and you just weren't able to follow what they were saying, even though you you are already fluent in English? Were there moments where you felt like, do I really, do I really know English? <laughs> Yes, there were many times, especially in retail, when I was um, having to deal with customers. I noticed it's very generational. There are, I think it's harder to understand people that are, not because of their their age, but because of their vocabulary. Uh, people that are a little bit older, like I'll say 60 and up, they have different ways to say things, to call things, to mention things. Uh, people that are around our age or younger, younger is also hard for me to understand sometimes, even that I work in a school. There are words that are like, what are they talking about? <laughs> but it does make you feel like you don't speak English. And there's another thing. You have a bilingual brain. So even though that you are experienced in, I was an English teacher, and um, probably you will say that I don't have a thick accent because I've been speaking English probably most of my life because the fact that I have family that lives in the States and that we spent summers, entire summers in the States and in, in Tijuana that I don't have a strong accent, although there's words where you will see it every now and then, hear it, sorry. And even like that, there's sometimes that you as a bilingual person, I feel like your brain feels tired. You know, like there's sometimes that you cannot disconnect. You're following the conversation, but because for your brain can be sometimes way too much, you kind of like disconnect for seconds and there's times that you're like, whoa, I'm not following this. But it's, I think it's the bilingual brain that does that, that you're making so much effort to try to understand a language that is not the one that you're used to. Uh, that was one. The other one is <laughs> we didn't have too many... Um, Latino friends when we arrived because there was no many Latinos but in the few past years there's been a higher volume of people immigrating from Latin America to Canada that we have now a community of Latino people that are around us and what happens to me is that when I'm around them I speak Spanish with them and then to switch back into English like for example this this community happens to be also part of our church so sometimes we are outside after the sermon of the church talking on the on the hall um, with people in spanish and then i have to switch back immediately into english because there's another person asking me something else and they do not speak spanish because they're canadian and that changing of gears in my brain sometimes is hard and that it takes me a while like to go back into understanding everything that they say but that's like normally what happens to me um what would you say for some and thank you for sharing that by the way what would you say for someone who maybe english isn't their first language and they arrive here thinking that they have you know, maybe they've been studying English in their home country for a while and they feel confident in their abilities when they're in their home country. But uh, a very common thing to experience is when you when you actually start using English on a day-to-day -day basis in, in a place where there really isn't another option, where it's English or it's English, you can find yourself feeling 
lost, discouraged, like maybe wondering, maybe I don't really understand this or maybe I can't make myself understood, which is another issue. Like sometimes I know we, we've talked about it often where you've, your accent isn't very strong and maybe I'm just used to, to your accent and I don't register it anymore. But, but you've shared with me many times where you've tried to say something to a, like when you're working in, in, in that store in the retail area where you would be talking to a customer. But as soon as they hear your accent, it's like they, they, they stop understanding English. <laughs> and, and they give, it's hard, that interaction becomes d- difficult just because if there's an accent involved. I, w- I wonder if there's anything that you, that, that you learned along the way from being here or yeah that that maybe you could pass along to someone who's just getting started who maybe is feeling that discouragement maybe feeling like oh geez all my english is it's nothing here i don't know what to do what would you say to that to that humble soul that's trying their best but is just feeling lost it will be summed up in a word patience just patience. Don't give up. You will see within time, and not too much time, because you are immersed in here. Don't give up. And try your best, even though that you want to feel at home, and you want to create a community with you, within your community, in your country, in a different country, try to expose yourself as much as you can to the culture and to the, to the English of that country because um, in Canada for example you might find a lot of if you are from India and you're listening to this podcast you will find a lot of people that come from India but keeping your keeping yourself in your community most of the time it's not going to help you to immerse in the real English you know and that's that's something that I I, I, it's my tip like we have a Latin community but if I will spend all of my time with them I probably will forget most of my English because language is about expressing yourself and doing it over and over and over. And yes, I had a lot of trouble at the beginning. I I think I don't have a strong accent, but people, as soon as they saw my face, that my skin color is different, they immediately kind of had this blockage in their head. And I noticed that that happened to you when you were in Mexico. You speak Spanish, you speak Spanish fluently, even with an accent, but you speak very fluently Spanish. And as soon as they saw blonde hair, green eyes, with a thick accent, they were like, uh, I don't understand. And I'm like, but he's speaking perfect Spanish, you know? It's the, it was the same with me. As soon as they saw that I was a little bit darker skin, dark hair, dark eyes, with a little bit of an accent, they will be like, oh, I don't understand what you're saying. No, it's also cultural. So don't give up. Don't try your best to not just surround yourself from people from your culture or your or your language because it is important for you to be emerge in the culture and in the language in Canada. It's very important. And it, within time, very short time, you will see that your brain has a great memory and it will start connecting the dots. Yeah, that's very good advice. And and on this podcast, we've talked about that before, that whole don't create a, a bubble around yourself that is your own culture. And we have very good friends who have lived here longer than we have, like decades. 
and they still don't speak English. They're stuck with their first language. And now, now they're really trying to learn English, but it's, it's a very slow process for them. And so just because you're living in an English-speaking country doesn't mean that your, your English is automatically going to get better or to improve. You, like what Anna was saying, you need to intentionally surround yourself with, with other English speakers and with the culture so that you are growing and learning. And like what she also said, be patient. It, it, it can take a little bit of time to get used to it. Um, I guess we're going to start winding down this a little bit, but what would you say has helped you the most in establishing your life here? Connections. Connections for us has been connections through through church, through our work, through people that had helped us that um, we have a very... um, we give a big value to to friendships and um sometimes those friendships are not meant to be lasting but um they happen in the right moment at the right place and connections are important and that's why it's important not to only hang out with people that you feel okay with it it is important to have that kind of people in your life but um but not always try to talk to other people try to make new friends wherever you are you never know really when you're gonna find that connection that was important at the moment that you needed it um i I, I, that's what i think it's it's important that to create community where you are i really agree with that you need to have people around you for those dark days when you want to give up you need to have someone to talk to and if you're married and you're come with your spouse, you still need friends. You need people around you that you can lean on, that you can connect with, both on your own and together as a couple. Having friends like that has really helped us. And we've been able to be a, a, a support for, for others, too. So it goes both ways, offering that kind of support. I guess, finally, I wonder if you could speak to the person Maybe you, the one who's listening to this podcast, maybe you are feeling discouraged. Maybe you are feeling like giving up. Maybe you've been working hard to be here in Canada and it's just hard. You're missing home. You're kind of questioning yourself if you've made the right choice. Maybe it's not turning out the way you thought it would. Maybe it's harder than what you thought it would be. Or maybe you knew it was going to be hard, but it, it it's just taking such a long time. I wonder, Anna, if you could just give uh, a final word of encouragement or anything that you have learned through these this long process yourself that maybe has helped you that you can maybe encourage the person who's just having a hard time. Well, I do believe that we are created in mind, soul, and body, and it's important to take care of all those areas in your life. So don't stop learning keep your mind busy because when you have your mind set up for sadness for all this discourage to occupy the biggest part of that mind it's it's gonna it's gonna do it you know it's gonna really hurt you and hit you badly especially like i was telling the weather can be 
a, a big thing that happened and then you feel like that and so if you have a chance to learn if you are on your way to have if you came here with a with a student visa great keep learning keep doing things like that if you are on your process of pr um as soon as you get your pr study something and even if you are like in a bullet like if you can do little things like learning english like going to a community center to learn english things like that keep your mind occupied read books try to make things that um that help you there but it's super important to if you can walk when it's walkable weather <laughs> when it's uh, try to do that I, like during the summer and 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 part of the fall i try to walk outside as much as i can because i know that during the winter time i'm not gonna be able because i don't like to be outside when it's winter time so try to walk try to do things for your body try to keep yourself healthy um and and for your soul too like it's important the way that you have a connection to to your faith whatever your faith is Um, those are the things that have helped me strong to get strong here because I have hit rock bottom sometimes here. It might feel like we are super blessed because we have family, your family around, or we have friends. Uh, we live in a first world country and and we have it all. It might seem like we have it all, but there's things that can hit you really strong. And I have hit hard like rock bottom here so with all of these things create your community and and that's one of the things that have helped us the most um my faith and the community around us our friends have been such an important part of me not feeling so depressed sometimes and um taking pay, paying attention to your buddy i discovered that i had Um, diabetes while I was here in Canada and being able to go to the doctor have the right um, medications eating the right weight had helped me a lot um, it's super controlled it's super managed but you have to work on it too so basically it's patience hold on there there is even though we have not reached success yet here <laughs> it feels like There are ways. And if you feel frustrated, for example, like me, because you cannot work in your in the career field that you had your major or your degree from your country, don't give up. There's ways you can start looking for revalidating your your school diplomas or maybe studying a short course on something like an entry point to that area. Like I gave you my example because And there's probably that people found that easier than me. It's just the way that I did it. But don't give up. There's always a way to, around the corner, find the right door that you need to go in. If someone wanted to, to connect with you, is there a way that they could find you online somewhere? Like maybe an Instagram account or, yeah, is, is there some way that that they could connect with you yeah another way that i have survived here is finding a hobby a job uh, um, a way to express my myself and uh, one of the ways to do it is through uh, painting i do i have a um, an instagram account with some of the things that i like to paint and draw 
I haven't paid too much attention to it, but you can you can reach me out from there too. You can send me uh, a direct message or or we can connect like that. Uh, so my my Instagram account is at bold dot b dot creations at bold v creations at bold v creations and we'll be sure to put a link to that in our show notes so if you are wanting to see anna's wonderful artwork and i don't just say that because she's my lovely wife but uh, art has been an important part of of your coping and and surviving here and uh Maybe that's something that might help some of our audience because that's something that you used to do a lot of is run art, uh, like mini uh, tutorials, and you had a group of people coming. Unfortunately, you had a your account hacked, and that really brought you down. But maybe maybe this conversation will be the the impetus of you getting going again because that was something that was really cool that you would you used to do, and I know it helped a lot of people to get through there through their things as well. So please, if you've enjoyed listening to Anna share about her journey, reach out, connect with her on her Instagram. She would love to hear from you and let her know that you heard her here on the podcast. And And uh, that's it for this this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of our, our podcast community. And uh, Anna, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. I'll... I'll I'll look forward to inviting you back again sometime. Thank you. It was my pleasure to be here. And uh, sorry if I got logged a little bit. Hey, that's what editing is for. <laughs> well, have a good week, and we'll be back in touch next Tuesday. Bye bye.